live from the Isle of Misfit Toys, it's Derail Trains of Thought. I will apologize beforehand. I don't seem to be quite in my right mind. I'll explain a little bit of that later. Well, you know, it's a pretty unusual place that we're at. I mean, look at all these weird toys. I, I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, they're, they're pretty neat. Although, well, I'm going to nightmare tonight, but <laughs> <laughs> but while I'm awake, it's kind of cool. Well, as long as that one stupid gun doesn't keep squirting jelly at me, I'll be happy. <laughs> it, we've had quite a trek since our last uh, yes. podcast. Yeah, it's true. It's It's been a while, but it's nice to be here with you, Nick, uh, just in time for our December, our annual December podcast. Our annual December Ween podca- podcast. That's right. Usually about about this time of year, we talk about something. Well, I say usually. We've only ever had one other (laughs) December podcast. But But it was the definitive December podcast. (laughs) I do have to say here, uh, before we get to our updates, I'll just say right now, well, my daughter is a month old. I probably have not gotten as much sleep as normal. (laughs) I'm going to blame that for any and all strange laughing uh word tongue twistings whatever that happens tonight so and and what is the name of your new daughter nick uh serenity and hayden oh no she's quite she's quite cute um and now she stays awake a little bit more than an hour a day <laughs> and she's sleeping decent and yeah it's it's been fun that's, adjusting that's good Theo's adjusted more and more the first couple of weeks he was like had one nothing to do with his mom because this, <laughs> he'd been betrayed he'd been betrayed you brought another one home <laughs> but he's doing a little better now that's good. Well, last year we talked about uh, old story. Well, we better do our story school introduction first. Okay. So, uh, here's story school. Last year, as we were about to say, last year we talked about how our responses to our own stories, stories that we wrote in the past, that's changed over time, and how we, we look back at them sometimes, and they're like, yeah. You do know, Tim, that was actually our New, Year, our New Year's podcast. Well, it was like look, kind of looking toward the end of the year. Okay. Because our Christmas one was about our favorite Christmas stories, wasn't it? Well, that was the same podcast. Oh, was that the same podcast? Yeah. the oh. Christ- that was All I remember is talking about uh, George Bailey and stuff. And Muppets. Well, yeah, that was that was the our take on tales okay. section of that. Episode. Again, no sleep. So <laughs> go back and listen to it. It was it was, it was a actually very fun, a really good one. It was a nice one. Yeah, it was a good holiday Christmassy one. Um, but today we thought it'd be a nice bookend to that to talk about how our reactions to other people's stories change over time. Again, end of the year, kind of good time for reflections and how we've changed and grown and or maybe not <laughs> <laughs> or regressed. <laughs> so. Um, I had a list of these, but we were unable to retrieve them online, (laughs) so we're kind of winging it here. We never wing it here normally at uh, Daryl Trains of Thought. Yeah, not usually. We have copious notes. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of times when you go back and watch uh, something that you saw as a kid, and you just have a a very different reaction to it from when you saw saw it. Perfect example. I didn't do this uh, for my brother. We we loved Thundercats as kids. And he watched one one day... When he was, you know, after we'd grown up, 
and they were talking about like they need a, a cubic foot of sponge fog or something. And he's like, "This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen." <laughs> now he would like to see the new series to see if it's up, you know, yeah. held up better than right. I'm, I'm sure Nathan will probably get onto you because I think he loved Thundercats. Well, but... and I'm not saying there's no good Thundercats, but at least the one he saw kind of ruined his idea of what Thundercats was. <laughs> See, Thundercat, I never grew up with that one. I, I have no recollection of Thundercats. Honestly, that's about the only one I did grow up with. Like, G.I. Joe, we had, like, one of the movies taped, and that's, like, all we watched. Oh, really? Because growing up, we spent a lot of time at my parents' business, and there was no TV reception, so we just watched tapes. So there oh. was certain... And now, Thundercats was on at 6 in the morning, or 6.30, on Froggy's Pad. Uh, I remember Froggy's Pad. So we would watch it in the morning. Okay. So That does remind me of... Someone at grad school, we were talking about the old Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Oh, yeah. And how he I was always so mad. I never got to see the Zelda. I was never be able to watch it on Friday. Oh, I, I don't think you really missed much. Well, I never... Back in the day, I really wanted to see Zelda. <laughs> or Link, I guess. Have you ever watched any of that now? <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> oh, man. You, you need to YouTube it sometime. <laughs> it's Link in that game has the most annoying voice and catchphrase. He's, he's constantly going, well, excuse me, princess. <laughs> it's a very popular meme to make fun of. Kind of like uh, Mega Man from um, Captain N. Oh, see, he I like, don't remember that one. Oh, he was like the weak, like the wimpiest little Mega <laughs> Man ever. He like said Mega before everything. Really? Yeah. Kind of like Math Man, huh? Yeah, kind of like Math Man. Now, that holds up. Yeah, Square One holds Square up. Square One holds, holds up. up pretty well. But about the, the Mario show, he was he was watching, I think he Netflixed it or something, and his <laughs> wife comes through, and he's watching it with his kid, and his wife comes through, and he's like, you used to watch this? And it's like, yeah, shut up. It was, <laughs> I know it's stupid now, but it, it, it was fun. <laughs> and I haven't watched it myself in a while, so I'm not sure if I would have the same reaction or not. I do remember watching it at one point and thinking, man, I remember this being cooler. <laughs> so you have that sometimes. Now, here's a, and Tim's going to argue me on this one, but I think last time I watched this cartoon, which I used to watch constantly as a kid, I thought it was just as cool. Three Caballeros. <laughs> Nick she, is always talking about this movie, <laughs> and this is one I didn't see until I was like in upper high school, and I was like, I don't get it. See, I think, I think my enduring love for it comes from having watched it like multiple times as a kid. But watching it nowadays, like, the music has seeped into my bone marrow. <laughs> like, as soon as, like, a certain musical cue starts, like, it, all these emotions, and I can know exactly what's coming, all the... And the animation is still awesome. Well, you, you can never really fault traditional Disney animation. No. I mean, and this, there was some really creative stuff. I love the song when the, the buildings are dancing and Donald Duck's going after this, you know, because Donald Duck's like a womanizer. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm probably not just in that, but... That's, that's okay for cartoon characters, yeah. though. <laughs> exactly. That's the one later on you watch it like, wow, this is really kind of sexist. <laughs> that whole that whole movie, which ne I never picked up on when I was young. You could you could pick up on stuff from that from a lot of old comedies. Um, yeah. E even I Love Lucy is sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I always find it interesting that my sisters still really enjoy this John Wayne movie called McClintock. I don't know. You've probably never seen it. But it's a comedy western. Okay. And John Wayne is married to, I think it's Maureen O'Hara, red, you know, bright red hair, and she's this feisty wife that wants a divorce sort of thing. And I think they, I think at the like the end of the movie, 
they finally resolved their differences by John Wayne spanking her. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a lot like Wheel of Time, but never mind. Um, <laughs> wow, I've never heard that side of it. For as much as you talked about Wheel of Time, I never heard about that. <laughs> There's a lot of strange things that go on in Wheel of Time, but I'm not sure how we got into that. Here, another thing I watched when I was young that I would love—I've been wanting to watch it again forever. I think it'd still be cool, but I hear people still think it's awesome. The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. You ever watch that? No. I, it sounds it, vaguely familiar. It's all, it was awesome. We used to watch it. It was on, I don't know what channel. It was on Friday nights. We all watch it. And it was Bruce Campbell as the main character. Mm -hmm. And a Western with heavy sci-fi elements. It was Cowboys and Aliens before they're Cowboys and Aliens. Interesting. There's this orb that was like all alien and that the bad guys were after. And it was all kinds of comedy. And I hear it's really funny when you're adult, too. But yeah. I don't. I just have these very fond memories of watching it Friday nights and then getting canceled. Uh -huh. Like Strange Luck, which is an awesome show. Oh, I remember. I vaguely remember that one. That was. I was curious where that was going to go. <laughs> Had a vaguely X Files thing without being quite as creepy. And yeah, there was one episode of that that I just thought was absolutely genius, and I wanted to like. I think I wrote a short story inspired by that idea, and then mm -hmm. I haven't seen it since. There's a number of old TV shows that I, I have very vague memories of, but I don't even remember the titles of anymore. That. So I can't really go back and compare. That's always a fun thing. Well, <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll be honest here. And I mean, we talked about some, well, I guess we talked about a number of cartoons that seemed a little lamer. I still love MacGyver, but at least in some of the early seasons that I've gone back and rewatched, some of the acting is pretty cheesy. <laughs> and I guess that's probably true for a lot of 80s action shows, but that's probably true. I didn't really pick up on that as a kid at all. I don't care about the acting. You you go, you sold before they even open their mouth. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're so much less cynical when you're a kid. No, well, not, not even cynical. Just experienced. Everything's completely. You you fill in so many more details. Mm, yeah, that's true. And I I wonder how much of that. I wonder how much of that we we do that now. I mean, we we tend to expect our our movies to be a lot more realistic. Under certain circumstances. I mean, you've got your movies like The Expendables and The A-Team yeah. where you don't worry about oh, being Oh, man, Expendables. That's, that's a great action movie right there. I heard that Chuck Norris is going to be in the sequel. That is awesome. <laughs> that is the only 80s action guy we really need to see. Yep. Speaking of, this is completely off topic. Well, almost. Zach and I used to watch Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh -huh. Even back then when we liked it, we still had to make fun of the theme song. <laughs> I love the theme song. <laughs> but I it mean, was funny <laughs> with Chuck Norris. And... Anyways, so. I don't think it, I don't think it was his idea to do <laughs> to be in the theme song. Actually, but. <laughs> though interesting, J. Mark Sadinsky used to write for Walker Texas Ranger. That's true. He's he's written for a lot of interesting things. Yes. Okay, back so, to topic. Moving on from talking about things that are lamer after you've grown up. <laughs> well. We talked a little bit when we were talking about horror about things that, that were really scary to us as a kid. And then maybe not so much, or maybe you can see, oh man, I, I know why that freaked me out so much. I, I'm trying to, I'm wondering, if, I don't know if we went through all of our examples of that then or not. Yeah, I had, I don't know if I came up with any new ones. Though I think Gremlins freaked me out a lot more than it would now. Mm. Gremlins was freaky. I never saw Gremlins. <laughs> my, my folks were smart enough. Yeah. <laughs> From, yeah. But it's Gizmo, and he's so cute. <laughs> yeah, my, my reaction to Ursula really hasn't changed. She's still weird. Still kind of weirds me out. Well, what were we thinking of scary things? There was something I can't, I thought of. You had mentioned in our talking about this, movies that you don't remember certain aspects of when you show to other people. Yes. Which yes. I remember happening to me showing Clue. Clue's a great movie, and I show it, and I'm like, 
oh, I didn't remember all those innuendos in there. Yeah. Because honestly, I just block that stuff out. I don't remember. You know, it's not mm-hmm. to me. It's not an important part of the film, so I don't remember it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I had the same experience with a couple of films actually that I saw during my semester in Los Angeles because I watched a lot of movies out there because that's what we were there for. And when I got back, and there was a couple of them that I had just completely forgotten how many f bombs were in them. Uh, Memento was one. Wag the dog was yeah, another you know one. What? You know, you me that with Memento, and then until you just said it again, I completely forgot there were f words in it. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> you you mentally block it out, and so and, and there's so many more interesting things in that movie. Yeah, and then the way Mom like she put it, it's like she completely understood because she's like to a certain extent you're kind of surrounded by that. I mean, like I had an internship in Beverly Hills, and, yeah, and people there threw that word around all the time as if it meant nothing, and which is what they do in the movies, and so but. When a movie has it that much, then it becomes, for me at least, there's sort of an automatic filter that comes in that I don't actually really hear it. Well, that filter just came in, um, I just rewatched Super 8, I got for my birthday. Hmm. There's all kinds of, the kids are using all kinds of, not F-bombs, but all kinds of cussing that in a normal kid, you'd be like, oh, you shouldn't do that. I mean, they real kids do, unfortunately, but yeah. you just it's just part of the style. You know, they're using the words and they don't even know what they're meaning half the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I don't even think about that and then you show it to some people who you know that might be sensitive and you're like, oh, yeah, there's all that. <laughs> or even... Uh, oh, did you watch it with Natasha's mom? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the classic, oh, sorry, mom. <laughs> I think I actually remembered so I warned her ahead of time. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> um, Castle Cogliostro. That's the, true. I, I would never remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I keep wanting to show it to, like, my youth. And I'm like, oh, wait, I can't do that. <laughs> no, you could show them, like, Castle in the Sky, yeah. probably. Yeah, Castle Cog Lilstro just it was, like, so much fun. Like, this is a great movie. No one's ever seen Oh, yeah, we can't do that one. Yeah. I mean, and it's not like there's a lot in that movie. No, it's but really when not. you're doing a church function, you just... Yeah, you know. exactly, yeah. No, there's not that much. It just... You don't think about it because it's a cartoon and da-da-da. Well, and, and on that note, like, how often do you sometimes... I don't know if this has happened to you. Um, I think my mom has talked about it more because, again, she's a mom and she's lived longer. But not just, like, having uh, content in there. Sometimes you come back to it and you you realize the worldview of the film is more skewed than you had remembered. Yeah, I have. I don't know if I can think of a good example offhand. Okay, here's in a song, which is we don't know what to talk about. Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Mm-hmm. Love the song. Eventually, especially after reading Stranger by Camus, it's basically Stranger put into song. Oh, really? I mean, it's like, you know, no reason to live, anywhere the wind blows. It's very atheist existential. And it's a really depressing song. I mean, it's a really good song. Yeah. But yeah. there's a lot of songs like, well, some Beatles stuff comes off just very nihilistic. Not on purpose, just because there's so, no meaning in it. It just, I mean, it sounds great, but... There's like nothing beneath it. And I love the Beatles, but mm-hmm. it's just sometimes like, what are we trying to, are we saying anything or just being nonsensical? Yeah. And I have to admit, I've even done that sometimes with Muppet related things, as strangely as that sounds. Um, as much as I'd watch, have watched and rewatch the original Muppet movie and find a lot of great meaning and stuff. I remember like kind of reading the lyrics for a uh, song, Can You Picture That? Where it is very kind of a, uh, Sort of a hippie song, for yeah. lack of a better word, which <laughs> Electric Mayhem, it, it totally fits. Yeah. But there's a lot of everything changing, nothing range range, like talking about just kind of re- make make the world what you want to be. It's mm-hmm. all up to you sort of thing mentality, which I can't really completely agree with. Yeah. Um, but you don't really think about it that, that seriously when you're a kid. Yeah, I, I have grown much more sensitive to worldviews. 
And it's, it's very interesting when you read books or movies and you like it, but you don't really like where they're coming from. Like, it's a really well-done movie and you'd probably watch it again, but you don't really agree with where it's coming down. It's a very interesting spot to be in. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of another... I know there's a couple... Another movie or two. The old Evangelion series like that with me. The new one, I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, that's that's still a... Uh, it's could, still a work in progress. I could I could own the new ones, I think, mm -hmm. and enjoy it. But that's not, neither here nor there. I guess Maverick might be another one that... I mean, that's a very fun... Okay. Oh, I'm, I was trying to remember the movie, yeah. Yeah, it's a very... That's a pretty fun, lighthearted Western comedy sort of thing. But there's... A lot of sleeping around and talking about, or innuendos to sleeping around. Well, well that's like um, Stranger Than Fiction. Great movie, but some of the message of seize your life goes a little far. You know, then he's like, oh, I'll go sleep with this girl, and da da da. And you're like, but good message too far. <laughs> yeah, well, to a certain extent, I feel like that's like one part of a movie that's otherwise no, pretty well, and, good. And I agree. Yeah. I'm just, it's always, yeah. You, you, wish you, you wish you didn't have to have that caveat. Exactly, but. you know, like, especially depending, if you then I work with youth a lot, wanting to show them certain movies, and they've all seen it, but you don't want, you know, you still feel like you got to explain, da 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 da, da. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is kind of going back to aesthetics, but I guess aesthetics in terms of sense of going, being broader than just lame, not lame. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes, like, af after a certain point, I think if you've watched enough higher quality stuff, then you, your opinion can sometimes change of lower quality mm -hmm. things. And my example for this is I just recently rewatched the first Transformers movie. Okay. Which I really enjoyed in the theaters. It was like I wanted to see giant robots fighting on the big screen. I had never seen that before. And once I had seen it, then I didn't really, my hunger for a Transformers <laughs> movie was pretty much satisfied. So or I'm, three or four. Well, or... but see, that's the thing. I never saw the sequels. No, I saw <laughs> part of three and I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. I don't get Transformers anymore. It was. Here's the thing. I'd wa I watched Transformers, and then like two days later, we watched. It was another one that ended up having robots in it, somehow. But it was good. Oh, Real Steel. Did you Real see that? Steel. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was interesting. Watch. Watch Transformers three, and then like two days later, we went and watched Real Steel. Both about giant robots beating stuff up. But just the editing style of Transformers three was so chaotic. It was just. It was just insane. Mm -hmm. And then Real Steel had this. Had these very slow shots and really knew what it was doing and mm -hmm. I, I couldn't have seen a better a, a, a more distinct way of looking at things well and it was interesting going like i said i enjoyed seeing the theater the first time then when i rewatched it recently i was like this is just annoying me <laughs> and I, I and i'm not sure if it's because I, I i think part of the reason was your first time seeing it it was and it was so like kind of all over the place the camera moves are like moving all over the place and like I said, big robots running down the interstate, throwing cars around. It's it's exciting. It's new. After it's not new, then it's like uh, there's not really anything here. You know that that's a good point. Talking about you know re reevaluating things when you see them again. There's a lot of movies you like first time. There's a much fewer movies that you like second time, in an equal sense. Mm, yeah. Not normally in the same sense because again, I'll just use Super Ace and it just I saw it in the theater and saw it just recently. Some of the mystery, some of the I guess mystery of what is this movie going into it the first time you don't have. But all the all the shots and all the all the way it's set up works so well you can kind of re enjoy it all over again mm. in a different way. Yeah. Um you know, I think the Star Wars movies are that way as much as you wanna you know <laughs> I mean even even the every time I see shots for like I saw a preview for the, the you know, re releasing on this three D. Yeah. It's all shots from the Phantom Man skin. All I can think of is he creates quite a world. And I can always go back and 
if nothing else, love that. Yeah, as many as much as you've seen Star Wars, it's it's kind of hard to watch that one to death. I mean, granted, I don't try to watch it like every month, and I don't, actually don't remember when it was last time. But I could easily pick it up and and stick it in and be enjoying it. Speaking of which, another movie that's interest I I had a, a new view on watching again was the New Hope episode four. Okay, you watch it so often. I didn't watch it for a long time, and watch it again after having seen more types of movies, old movies, new movies. The beginning of that movie is so old school sci-fi. It is a miracle that it's not a B movie. I mean, it feels like it was this close to being a B movie in the first ten minutes. You know, you got you got the droids, and you have all these guys in outfits, and this giant guy in a black cape, and all this white, oh, you know, these sterile white walls, and it feels like like it could be the beginning of something to miss science theater. Uh huh. But it's not, which is really interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting point. They were able to draw something else out of it. Yeah, and, and then and then a lot of B movies came after it too. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting watching different styles, especially 80s movies. Back then you didn't notice, and then it's been 20 years, and you look back, and they have very distinct... Yeah, you said that's an 80s movie. That's an, and you don't know out. what it is exactly. I mean, the hair is part of it. <laughs> well, and part, partially, I think, I don't know, I always feel like some of it has to do with the cinematography. The way, just there's a certain intangible feeling to the way that the image looks in a 1970s movie mm-hmm. still as, as compared to a 90s one. But yeah, I think you always, you know a movie has really succeeded when you can find new things to enjoy on a second go-around. Books. We, we don't, we don't all, I reread a couple books, Tale of Two Cities, I had read in high school and then reread sometime, you know, five years ago or something. Still just as good. Mm-hmm. And actually probably better. There's some books I think you read in high school that you're not ready for. Yeah. Um, maybe a lot of them. Well, and I was thinking about this, this on the way over here, thinking we'll probably be talking more about movies than books, because I think... A book has to either really make a cultural impact for you to make you want to read it again, like in case, I think I must have, I must have missed something that I didn't get the first time, or it made a big impact on you yeah. for you to bother reading it again. I don't know that I've very often picked up a book that I'd read before and think, man, this is not nearly as good as I thought it was. Because if it was like a children's book, I'd say, well, this is really good. I, I can see why I enjoyed this at that yeah. age. It's, mm-hmm. It was good for that, you know, that age frame. Typically, I don't pick up a book that I had liked before and... I have completely changed my opinion on well, it. Well, I don't know if it changed your opinion, but when I read... This is weird. I read Lord of the Rings first time, I think, in third grade. Really? Uh, yeah. That's pretty young. It took it took, it took took a long time to get the Two Towers. Two Towers was really rough for a third grader. <laughs> um, but when I reread it later, like college or high school or whatever, I think the third time I reread them, so much... You start enjoying the description a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, Narnia and, books are probably that way for Like, me. Fellowship of the Ring was the best when I was young. I think Return of the King is the best now. Mm. Partly because of that last battle and Minas Tirith and everything. And just the sense of foreboding and, you know, and then the turnaround. Just genius. And then the sadness at the end makes more sense now than when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, when you're a yeah. kid, you don't want a sad end. You know, not a sad, but a bittersweet ending. <laughs> I remember it was funny when, because you know sometimes when a cartoon movie would have a very slow part or like really sad or something and you want to like fast forward. I remember like that time I was in college and my, my sisters were all still really little and they would like want to fast forward those parts. And like, no, no, this is important. This is like, this yeah. is very artistic, beautiful. It's like I was I was looking forward to the slow and bittersweet moments sometimes. Yeah, I, I think, I do think it takes age to appreciate the more Slow, sad, bittersweet. Because youth just doesn't quite... It, it seems incompatible with the world mm-hmm. sometimes. And maybe that was part of me with uh, Prince Monoke. 
Oh yeah. You know, and part of it, of part of it, I think, was probably because I hadn't seen enough Miyazaki. Part of it probably because I was just seen Castle Cagliostro and I went all this swashbuckling and I watched this movie and it's just like, I mean, it's complicated and kind of deep and. I remember that, I mean, you've talked about how yeah, you kind of went back and forth. I, I think I went back and forth in that one for a while, because I think the first time I saw it, I hadn't really seen any other Miyazaki yet. And for me, it was pretty fascinating, even though I didn't understand what the heck was going on. <laughs> um, second time I saw it, I had seen other stuff, and I was like, uh, this is more serious than I like. I don't really care for this time. It took the, like till the third time I, I finally realized, okay, now I get what this is about. I mean, it's a really, really good movie. And that's another interesting feature. Sometimes... When you do see a movie for a second time, to a certain extent, you might become more aware of its flaws. I mean, it could still be a good movie. For instance, the new Muppets movie, which is great. I was very happy. Yay! Um, <laughs> but the second time I saw it, when I actually when I saw it with you, I was actually a little bothered about it when I thought about it afterwards. It's like, oh, there's this and this other thing I'm not so certain about. But I finally, what I finally realized is like, when you're very invested in a, in a movie like I am, I would be for this yeah. one. It's almost like evaluating one of your own, where you go back and there's parts that you love, but the, the little minor imperfections that yeah. just aren't quite right just drive you batty. Yeah. Um, but you, you have to let that stuff go. And probably on a third watch, I'll be like... You're even it out a little bit. Pretty much even it out, Because, yeah. you know, a lot of great movies, a lot of movies you just fall in love with, you readily identify, okay, yeah, this is weak, but I love it because despite that, or sometimes because of that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's certain flaws that you're like, but it wouldn't be the same movie with. Yeah, not that's true. That. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of movies that last tend to have some sort of little quirk to them to make them stand out. Mm -hmm. Especially the more cult classic eat sort of things. But I don't know if I enjoyed it quite as much. You ever seen The Point? It's a cartoon. No. I think Ringo Starr narrates it. What's the point? But I'm bunching. That was pretty sharp, Tim. <laughs> no, oh, no, I don't know anything about it. Oh, it's I don't. It's probably '80s again, cartoon. Very strange watching it a second time because it, it, it is very kind of hippie and it's very strange animation and kind of unique sort of and you you enjoy it on a more cerebral level than you did when you kid when you kid is like oh it's bright colors and this and that and mm -hmm. I'll tell you what's fun a really fun way to watch a movie a second time especially if it's a really unusual kind of movie watch it with someone who else who hasn't seen yeah. it yeah because I remember when I showed my roommates Labyrinth. It was just—it was just so much fun watching him being completely weirded out by the whole thing. Well, like, yep, that's Labyrinth. Watching Inception with like my parents who hadn't seen it, and they had like 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 half hour they had me pause, like what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> like yes, exactly. You know, I have still not seen Inception a second time. No, it's just as good a second time. I'm sure it is. I'm I'm so well, looking forward more to than it. that. Well, the interest you lose part of that. That on the edge of your seat, like, trying to keep up because you understand it. Uh -huh. But at the same time, you're like, wow, it all fits together. Um, so, you know, one type of reaction replaces with another, which is what you want to do in one of those, mm -hmm. you know, in a movie. Because you can watch it once and, oh, that was funny, and you're just bored to death. Yeah. So we've rambled around here, but I think... I think we made some... Uh, that's I, I really like that, showing something that you've seen to someone else and, and sharing the experience. and Because that gives you a new experience. And if there's a movie that you were complete, you were really surprised at how much your reaction had changed, I'm sure I'll think of others after we've finished recording. And all yeah, I, yeah, you'll feel, think of it then. We wish you all the youth uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, yeah. He's always singing, when a cold wind blows, it chills you, chills you to the bones. They're like, what is that about? And like, oh, it's from this great Christmas movie. Uh -huh. And so it was fun watching them and, you know, enjoy. And that movie holds up really well over multiple viewings, I think. I, th I think so, too.
So right. go watch out. Yeah, go check out that movie yeah, that you and, haven't seen in decades. Yeah, and tell tell us the you know the movie you've had the most change over time watching. Definitely. All right. All right. And for our first, uh, let's move on to this soundtrack. Soundtrack. Okay. Was, soundtrack. <laughs> you're technically supposed to be the host. I know. I like. Well, see, you're okay. Soundtrack, everyone. <laughs> Okay, my soundtrack today is from the game, it's remixed from the game Mario Kart 64. One of the few Nintendo 64 games I really ever played, because I didn't actually have a 64, I really know very many people. I didn't have 64, I played uh, Mario 64 quite a bit though. Okay. I that pretty awesome. I mean, it was like Mario Kart and GoldenEye, that's about it. GoldenEye, okay, I did. Uh, who didn't play GoldenEye? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But this is a good song for, uh, for the Christmas season, it's called Holiday Frappe, it's remixed by Tweak. Um, we had to look up his name and his name's Tweak. I guess I shouldn't make fun of it, but, <laughs> but it, it's nice and jazzy. We put you in that holiday cheer and listen closely. You'll hear a little bit of an old Christmas classic. Enjoy.
That was right. Holiday Frappe. Alright, we'll now go into our next section, which is Cinema Selections. So, just in from uh, New York City, actually, we're not making that up, is uh, Brian Churchill. Welcome! I'm really glad to be here, and uh, I've been there for two days, and now I'm back and just off the plane, practically, and I'm glad to be here at the Island of Misfit Toys. See, we're so important, Tim, that Brian will redirect his flight from New York back home to the Island of Misfit Toys just so he can record. Not redirect as much as it was ordered. <laughs> <laughs> I ordered them to turn around. <laughs> Brian's very commanding when he needs to be. That's impressive. So today's um, movie is The Man Who Came to Dinner. And Which is I about somebody who just flew in from Manhattan. Oh, really? Literally. Well, drove in. Oh, did they? Or he was on a train, I thought. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was on a train. Uh, before well, we get, before yeah, we get started, let me make the quick uh, proviso that this week, unfortunately, because of my crazy schedule, I have not seen it. So I will be... Shame. I will shame. be... Uh, shame. <laughs> so next time we have podcasts, I'll tell you how much I liked it. Okay. Yeah, I do want to see it. But yeah, I saw it. I saw it. Oh, you like saw it. it. Yeah, Tim's seen it. Yes. And well, Brian obviously has seen you, it, so go for it, guys. Yeah, and I'll, I'll a, come in and ask dumb questions occasionally. <laughs> Just it's like, a fantastic Christmas film, I think, because it's different. One of my major problems now is, is that so many Christmas films are overplayed, and you've seen them all, and that's part of the enjoyment for some of the films. But at some point, if you're at like a relative's house, for instance, and they have the network on that has all... Christmas story uh. all day <laughs> and it isn't good and so you grow to be tortured by it over the years and <laughs> and so I'm sensing a lot of bitterness here Brian <laughs> well it's so terrible because really well with our it's in st story school which is yeah. revisiting old stories apparently <laughs> if you revisit stories too often it's like a dream deferred it, uh, it grows like a raisin in the sun mm -hmm. or sometimes it just explodes yeah it does <laughs> <laughs> Awkward um, pause. Yeah. Maniacal oh. laugh. Maniacal laugh. So what are some other movies like that? Are there, are there any movies that, that do that to you? Christmas Story is it for me, which is terrible. I, you know what, because honestly, it's an I've never story. seen Christmas Story. Well, it's I, an I, Indiana I, story, which is one of the reasons why I still like it, but I've never actually watched, I don't want to really see it very much. I've never actually watched it all the way through, but I'm with you in that it's like one it's not a good movie to have playing in the background because it's all these really obnoxious scenes kind of strung well, together. Kind of loud <laughs> obnoxious scenes at, at certain times. And it, the family's from, uh, or that takes place supposedly in South Bend, right? Uh, uh, yeah. And, yeah. So. And so it's really close to here, where it's set. The thing that I kind of do like is the narrator, but I, if we had a narrator that had that voice and it was a completely different story, then maybe it would be different. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I prefer, yeah. because I've just seen it too many times, and it's gone into that category of films where it's... Ugh. A movie that should be played more often at Christmas is Santa vs. Conquers the Martians. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Santa Claus? I have seen that. Oh I, no! I, I saw that one without the, the Misty the uh, MSC three K. Oh no! Well, it was still hilarious. Was Don't get me wrong. Was it on TCM? No, it was just oh. at, at my dorm. One of the the discipleship coordinators, they call them DCs, gave it to uh, one of the RAs as sort of a gag gift, Ooh. and they got passed around, and we were just like, "What is this? <laughs> it's terrible." It may it's. Funnier, it's a funnier Mystery Science Theater episode than Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, actually, because it's, I believe, a Mexican film. Yeah, and I think so. It's from 1959, and 
It's just Wait, bizarre. Well, yeah, it has something to do with this little <laughs> demon that's trying to yeah, stop Santa from delivering. This old demon gifts. devil boy. It's and... disturbing at parts. Okay, so let's let's uh, hear about a good Christmas movie. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry. And this one is well, what would we say? Biting uh, sarcasm Christmas, <laughs> in which uh, which is in in a very surprisingly heartwarming way. <laughs> yes, with yes and. Did you see the, the description of the, the film at the beginning? Was this the one that had the description? Of the yes, the, it did. there was yeah. This uh, was released in January of 1942, which is right after World War II started, right after we entered the war. And you even saw a couple of the references to the war uh, mm-hmm. in the film, uh, in which yes, the nurse <laughs> is talking about I can't stand this anymore. I am going what she say to the munitions factory after working in the munitions factories because <laughs> she could not stand Monty Woolley as Whiteside. After she said that she had gone into nursing with this great hope for humanity, now she wants to go into munitions factory. <laughs> it'd, it'd be easier. So, it'd be easier. so it's a very, it's a very comedic, very sarcastic yeah. sort of. But movie. is it madcap? <laughs> probably not. Probably not. But it borderlines on it. Yes, but it's you, not better, as bad as yeah, some g- g- of the g- madcap. Give me because I'm kind of lost here. Yeah. Give me a, a, a synopsis then. This guy co- apparently comes. Yes, I believe his name train. is Sheridan Whiteside. Is the okay. character's <laughs> name right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he is played by the actor Monty Woolley. He is a very animated person and an academian himself. I was looking here that he was born in New York City to a wealthy family. His father owned the Bristol Hotel, and he grew up in social circles. He went to Yale, got his bachelor's there. An intimate friend and classmate of his was Cole Porter, who did one of the songs for in this movie. And he also got a master's degree from Yale and one from Harvard. He became an assistant professor of English and dramatic coach at Yale. And so there were a lot of things that he did with his life as an actual academian. And in this, he plays a personality, Sheridan Whiteside, who is based on a real-life person whose name was Alexander Walcott. Hmm. And he was an American critic and commentator for New Yorker. And he was a very opinionated, very, I guess the personality is like spot on. And this is why this was made, (laughs) partially was to do that. And then so you have Monty Woolley's looks and mannerisms and everything that he got from that. And he was so delighted to do it for the film Mm -hmm. uh, and to play that role. Now this was based on this was a play originally, wasn't it? Yes, okay. and um, you can you can pretty much tell that they stayed in the same room a lot. Yes, the when I was watching with my family, one of, somebody from my family remarked, "Was this a play?" <laughs> yes, this was a play, and um, I think film adaptations of plays can be very good if they're executed correctly because a lot of actually a lot of really great directors in classic films have done that. Okay. Hitchcock, for mm-hmm. instance, did uh, quite a few that were plays, mm-hmm. although he did do quite a few novel adaptations as well. But there were a lot of great directors who, who have done uh, play adaptations. William Wyler is another one. They've get, all done really great ones. Let's get back with the synopsis. Sheridan Whiteside visits Ohio, and it's a small town in Ohio. He was just invited to dine at a industrialist's home. Did you have a pleasant trip? Charming. I killed a woman in the next compartment. She asked me to lunch. <laughs> and the industrialist uh, and his wife and his family live there, and he's supposed to dine there. And the problem is, is that he slips on the steps that have ice on them on the way into the house. And it's the Christmas season, and he falls, he's brought into the house, and the doctor comes and says that his 
leg, hip, or something. Hip, something yeah. is broke. It's, it's not exactly uh, specific because that's not the kind of story that it is. <laughs> and so he's there, and he's basically disabled for temporarily for that time. And he decides to set up his camp there, essentially. <laughs> and he basically takes over the house. Yes, he takes over the house, and he decides to make the families, you know, stay with him. Okay, I'm really sad I didn't watch this now. It sounds quite entertaining. Yes, and his voice is really fantastic, too. How do you, Mr. Whiteside? I hope you're better. Thank you. I am suing you for $150,000. How's that? What? I said that I am suing you for $150,000. You mean because you fell on our steps, Mr. Whiteside? Thomas E. Dewey will explain it to you in court. Basically, the story's about him, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And all about the <laughs> havoc that he wreaks on the... Uh, <laughs> On Christmas. Well, and it's in really, the whole Christmas season because he's there for a few weeks. Yeah. It, it really was funny because when it, like in the first 20 minutes, I'm not entirely certain, certain what this movie is, is about because, I mean, I knew it was supposed to be a comedy, but he almost comes off very uh, detestable at first because he's so rude <laughs> to the people that he's bossing around in their own house um, in like... What is this thing about? But they're fun people to mess with. Yeah. Because you have, because you have the father who, Mr. Stanley, who is a very by-the-book type industrialist individual who is, um, is easy to rattle his cage. Uh, and then there's his wife who uh, is played by Billy Burke, who played Glenda in Wizard of Oz. Okay. The and, yeah. And uh, I've seen her in a couple other features too, but most everybody knows her from Wizard of Oz probably. <laughs> uh, and she plays the wife who is sort of muddled in a little way and is entertaining as well the the two kids he messes with uh thoroughly let's see then by, there's, by of course, kids the, he means they're teenage kids yes he decides then to sue the family and he tells them that he's going to sue them for a hundred and fifty thousand dollars now i decided to look because we have the internet i decided to look because we have an inflation calendar and that in now terms that is equal to approximately $2 million <laughs> for slipping on the front steps. Hot coffee. And so he, so they are on the hook with the lawsuit. The whole family is. And so they have to make him comfortable. They have to accommodate him in every way possible. And so that is how it works. And then, of course, the, you saw the jokes about the phone bill and how uh, the, the father <laughs> is going through the phone bill for the money. He's like, this bill from the telephone company for $784. Oklahoma City, Rome, Calcutta, Hollywood, Buenos Aires, New York, New York, New York, New York, New York. Namely, he's a radio personality, and he has his own show and everything. One of the best parts was that he had his own Christmas tree in the room downstairs <laughs> with his gifts, and then the family had to put their Christmas tree upstairs in the parents' bedroom <laughs> and, because, and then put their presents up there. But it's various things like that. That they have to do to accommodate Sheridan Whiteside, which is isn't that a great name? The more I hear about this, more and more. Why isn't this shown more often? It seems really humorous. I don't know. It has a pretty respectable rating on IMDb, seven point six, and it's good. And I, when I first saw it, it was maybe a year or two ago, uh -huh. and I was shocked. I was like, why, why haven't I seen this before? <laughs> this is funny, and I think it's a perfect picture of America. I believe when the depression is over mm -hmm. and we have begun life again, even though we're going into a war at the same time. Yeah. And it's done by Warner Brothers, which also is arguably Warner Brothers is relatively for 
the United States involvement in things. And it's a little bit shown through there, but I, I don't think it was for like a propagandist purpose. No, it's, uh, it's pretty subtle. No, it is pretty subtle. It is interesting. I, I could see it being one of those movies that if you took it too seriously, because some, some types of comedy, like if you were actually to take this situation seriously, it wouldn't really be all that funny. This guy has a huge ego. He's <laughs> bossing these people around. But it's just so kind of ridiculous the way it's presented. And, and some of the things he says... Just hilarious, and that that's what makes it almost madcap in a way. This wouldn't really happen, but it's so funny that if you read the news and, and things like that, and you read it, you know, you see complaints about frivolous lawsuits, and you sort of have this thing in the back of your head, like, "Well, what if could that really happen? <laughs> could somebody really do that and get away with it? What if the person was famous? What does their the fact that they are famous does that make it so that they get accommodated better?" <laughs> I mean, there yeah. kinds of things like that. If you get that's what we, if you were thought, if you took this actually seriously, but in a different way, it. I think considering it was made in '42, I think it's really current. I mean, it. it yeah. As far as the general rubric of it, it is <coughs> classical, but at the same time, it it holds water and it holds importance, mm-hmm. and it's still funny. It's I, still funny. I, th- I think if you're a fan of insult humor, you would really enjoy this sort of thing. <laughs> I mean, we're talking like Stuart Lim levels of like insult. Like John Cleese just going off on people <laughs> sort of thing. Kind of. Yes. The doctor and the nurse. Uh, the nurse was played by veteran actress um, Mary Wicks. And uh, the character's name is Miss Preen. <laughs> Miss Preen! What have you got in there, anyway, a sailor? I was just fixing your medicine, Mr. Whiteside. Has Miss Cutler come in? I don't know, Mr. Whiteside. At least I haven't seen her. Are you sure? I'm not sure of anything anymore, Mr. Whiteside. And Miss Preen is hilarious, too. And she was in she was in so many different films uh, as a minor character of, of one or the other, like a nurse or a um, oh, secretary. Just all kinds of things like that. Her and role, she really adds a lot, too. Her role is basically just to be bossed around the whole... <laughs> The whole entire time. And at one point she gets bitten by a penguin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has people sending him these the most random presents throughout the whole thing. We won't, won't mention some okay. of them so they're not spoiled. Okay, but. this is going on my list to watch this weekend. Right now. Yeah, it's, it's a great Christmas film. Very fantastic. So Tim, is this going on your yearly Christmas list? Yeah, I can, I can see making a good case for it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's funny, too, because, I mean, it's a certainly a big, important part of it, and they go ice skating at one point, and the finale takes place on Christmas Day. But yes, it stars Betty Davis here in an unlikely role, but it was something that she really, really wanted. And I'm not really sure of her exact motivations <laughs> for it, but she does rather well in it. She has a cheerful personality that comes out in it, and she actually does have a romantic um, involvement as well. You get a little bit of, of her uh, traditional bitter side when she feels like she's been betrayed. But when Yeah, the, she plays it, his secretary, Whiteside's secretary. Yeah, and and she has this romantic subplot. And when she's in the romantic scene, she doesn't real, She feels like she could be like a you know Doris Day sort of, you know, very... Mm-hmm. Uh, chick flick sort of feel to it, almost. Yeah, it does. And I think it was because there are certain actors and actresses over the time when they see a play and they're like, oh, I want to do the movie for that. Mm. You need me for that. And don't <laughs> pick anyone else because I want that role. Yeah. And if they see a role that they want, and even if it's really, it, it wasn't like everybody's going to remember her from The Man <laughs> Who Came to Dinner, but um, it's something that she wanted to do and it, I think it turns out well. Um, Anne Sheridan is also in it, who plays this sort of sultry, um, isn't she an actress? 
Yes. Yes, and uh, she comes. She comes in from uh, where is it? Palm Beach, mm, Florida. It? Yes, uh, and then there's also. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how all this fits together. <laughs> <laughs> We're purposely leaving out a lot of details. No, that's all. No, I think that's great. I, it, it certainly whets your appetite. Yeah, we also have Jimmy Durante in it. Yeah, uh, his, his appearance is kind of random. Almost, uh, he shows up toward the very end. Pardon me, miss. Is this the YMCA? Oh, Benjo, you old dog. Oh, come on now. I've heard the whole story and everything is going to be all right. Benjo. Don't worry. Your Uncle Banjo will pull a few strings. Say, that wasn't a bad pun, was it? No. You're going to hear that in my next picture. Everybody from that time remembers Jimmy Durante. And it's generally with, with pretty good idea because the, the general premise was to have him sort of appear a little bit like Harpo Marx. But not in a... Oh, I'm not a big Mars Bonus fan. That's another completely different story. But it works. And it's because all the personalities around Whiteside... Because Whiteside's personality is really insane anyway. <laughs> and so when you have all the other... Everybody else come into this, it really doesn't seem all that odd. Which <laughs> it... it if you're able to do that and come off like that, then it works. Is, was Jimmy Durante's persona as uh, womanizing as he was in this movie? I didn't remember that. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of. Jimmy I don't Durante, think but... so. No, I, okay. I think I think the the Harpo Marx kind of thing was just for this movie. Okay. And yeah, and so uh, all kinds of different other things. He was uh, more himself, I believe. Okay, because I mean, and then this is the character. I think. All right, that makes sense. I mean, he seen it was similar to Jimmy Durante persona, but it was a little bit more lecherous than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, Donald Duck. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. So let's go ahead and, uh, Brian. Do you have a nice tagline for this this week? One more thing I should, oh, go, yeah, I go should throw in here. I think it's it's pretty well talking about how it's borderline madcap. I think it's pretty impressive how they foreshadow things that have importance later on. Like, in terms of, first this seems like it's just kind of describing their personality, but then it actually kind of becomes very important to the plot and how they get out of a situation at the end. Yes, and the way that their the characters behave in, in predictable ways. And, and then it all ends up sort of curving around itself and and comes back together. Yeah, and, and that's another reason why we hesitate to, to go into too much detail about some of this stuff, because the way it... You just kind of have to see for yourself how it all, like, flows together. And like, as, like the end of a Faulty Towers episode? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as far as Madcap, do you think it really, truly was Madcap for Madcap's sake or more of a story about character? I'd say more of a story about characters, but it certainly had that feel of some plays. Like you could sort of tell where the acts were because there were some there were moments when like like everyone was in there at once trying to demanding different things, and it was kind of they had a lot of climactic endings to their acts. It seemed like yeah, it, it seems like um they should almost form a line at some point just because it was uh it was always an interaction. It always centered around him in the wheelchair in that room. Yeah, <laughs> and that's where we stayed centered. Um. <laughs> As far as Madcap, um, did, did you ever see My Man Godfrey? No, I'm afraid not. That's, That's pretty good. Is that Cary Grant? Uh, that is... It's, I would say it certainly wasn't as Madcap as, say, Bringing Up Baby, which is a Cary Grant comedy, yeah. which is pretty hilarious. Yeah, I I had a little bit of trouble with, with genuine Madcap, I think. Bringing Up Baby and Arsenic and Old Lace. <laughs> that really did it to me. Yeah, Arsenic and Old Lace is pretty great. That's true. I... <laughs> Well, not really. No, what I meant was... Oh, you, it, don't, you don't enjoy no. that as much. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. Well, we can edit that out. Oh, that's okay. fine. Um, <laughs> no, uh, we disagree. Arsene always <laughs> did it for me because it, I think it was just carrying... Well, he looked like Bugs Bunny. And he, <laughs> and he acted like Bugs Bunny. And, 
And it's, or either that or Daffy Duck. Uh-huh. Probably possibly. Even the levels of Daffy Duck were seen. And then I also read that Cary Grant said that that was the only role that he ever did that he didn't like. Oh, really? Arsenic and Old Lace? Yeah. Interesting. It was, I mean, and, it is uh, very... I, I understand that because it's so over the top that mm-hmm. I think he just, he sort of looked at it and, and I, I guess he I guess he didn't like making it either. Okay, anyway, we better, yeah, we better wrap up, up the man. The way to wrap this up would be... The Man Who Came to Dinner is a sharp and cynical comedy that, interestingly, even though it's in a Christmas time, it actually does come out well, and I believe it does have a Christmas meaning at the end of it. And I think that's really worth it, and what makes this a Christmas film. And I think since it's a lesser-seen Christmas film, I think it's worth it that more people see it. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to please the people who are, don't want all their Christmas movies uh, sugar-coated, but there's definitely a warm part at the center of it. Somewhere. And I think there always is. <laughs> because in the backs of their... I mean, it's like the characters are, especially Whiteside, <laughs> he's doing what... You know, he has an outer personality and an inner personality. And the outer personality is acting out. And the inner personality is still there, but it's very small. Sandy and I love each other. I don't know where to turn. My dear, I'd like to meet this young man. I'd like to see him for myself. Would you? Would you meet him? He's just outside. He's in the kitchen. Good. Bring him in. Oh, Mr. Whiteside... He's a very sensitive boy. You, you'll be kind to him, won't you? Confounded June, when did you learn that I'm always kind and courteous? Bring this idiot in. And it's almost like the Grinch. It, the, I, I was just thinking that the the, the hearts yeah. are two sizes, three sizes too small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other problem is their shoes are too tight. <laughs> well, two sizes too small, then grew three times. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. so, I'm good. Yeah, it's a little bit of a Grinch syndrome too. I we think. put it. We put it. <laughs> Sounds good. Right. Well, we'll just go ahead and wrap up here. Yeah, I think so. We've covered most of the project of this. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, the one thing I did want to mention is last episode we had our live brainstorming. Yes. Um, and one of the things we talked about was this uh, asteroid newsroom. That was one of the stories that we were. Brainstorming. Well, one of the were brainstorming. Well, I went ahead because it got stuck in my head after that podcast and wrote up a flash fiction for it, which is on my website, which is worksofnick.com. You should go read it. It's, it's hilarious. It's pretty fun. Yeah. So, and we still haven't got any. Uh, yeah, brainstorming from you guys. So. Yeah, we, we want to hear Christmas break. You're bored. You know, you're roasting your chestnuts. Just uh, write us a flash fiction. Do us work. Do us work. <laughs> nice. Work well, and uh, you will be treated well. <laughs> <laughs> work badly, and you will die. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're friendly to our listeners, Brian. That was Star Trek Six, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. You remember that? Uh, I, now, yeah. I, now that you mentioned that, work I do. badly. Uh, rural, rural Pente, right? Yeah, rural Pente. <laughs> Nice. Not everyone keeps it. Well, now we'll go there. <laughs> okay, Nick, wrap us. Wrap us. Okay, well, I, I picked, because it's kind of a theme, I picked another Maze Dude for our soundtrack. Oh, I will do the contact, contact info. info. I always skip the contact info because you guys don't want to contact us. <laughs> it's very sad. Anyways, so you can contact us always at our email, which is derilltrains at gmail.com. Of course, the website is the real trains of thought that blogspot.com. Um, so where our RSS is finally working. Yeah, so you're gonna subscribe to us on iTunes again, and it will get it completely up to date. And uh, you can hunt us down any other way you want to too. I'm sure um, none of us have private lives anymore with Google, so <laughs> it knows everything. But this time for my bowing out soundtrack, I'm gonna do another Maze Dude. Uh, it's hard to find a Christmasy Maze Dude. I'm, tra- I'm trying to break him off the nope. habit, folks. <laughs> Here's a reason. I have a little story to go with my mace dude this time. 
for my birthday, I, I pre-ordered. He's coming out with another album called American Pixel. It's going to like, I think it might be two CDs. He's getting some live in. It, it's going to be awesome. And if you pre-order it, you get your free little, uh, this little EP he made of four songs that are all chip-tuny and wonderful. But I pre-ordered the thing, and then he get, I got this form message saying, hey, basically, since you pre-ordered it, your sponsor, what name do you want to go on the sponsor page? And I said my name and my website and sent it back to him. Then he wrote me back, like, Maze Dude himself. And I was like, whoa. I'm like, oh. he's like, hey, some of your writer friends might not know about this, so you can be part of this program that if they buy it and you refer them, you get money and stuff like that. But I'm like, Maze Dude wrote me. <laughs> because, <laughs> because he's like a celebrity to me. I listen to his music like all the time. So I felt like, I'm going to go ahead and play another one of his songs. Okay, um, I suppose that's a good, good enough reason. And I may put up this link to go buy to pre-order the CD <laughs> um, because I think it'll be cool. So again, Final Christmas one's a little hard. This is for a remix from a game called Slalom, which I've never played. I think not many people have played it from the NES. The remix is called Slalom Side, and it's kind of kind of Christmassy. So uh, close. I, I guess enjoy. So. This has been Nick. And this is Tim. And this is Brian. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year.
Christmas. Merry